It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Do we have any people pleasers in the house? Well, you know, I got my degree in people pleasing. I got my master's degree, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about getting my doctorate. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. I mean, I I get it. I have so wrestled with being a people pleaser and just wanting to please people all the time. And it's a hard club to get out of. Like, if you want to cancel that membership, you're going to have to jump through some hoops for real. But it's actually even a harder club to be in, I believe. It's exhausting, trying to get everybody to like you, trying to win the hearts of everyone and satisfy everyone all the time. But I tell you what, there is one person in that club that is like nearly impossible to please, and it's me. I'm an Enneagram 9, if you're familiar with the Enneagram. That's a peacemaker, but I have a strong wing one, and the wing one is a perfectionist. They kindly call wing one or the um, one a reformer. And how it's described is, you know, there's someone who's really principled, really purposeful, self-controlled, and here it is, perfectionistic. Blech. Which I don't I am, like it. Which I am too. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, hard. It, creates, it cr- creates an interesting dynamic for you and me. <laughs> for the relationship? Yeah. Do tell. Unpack that for me. Well, so, so we both are trying to get better all the time, mm-hmm. but then we sort of can... But heads, right? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. <laughs> the key motivations for somebody who's a perfectionist is that they want to be right. <laughs> That's where the butting heads comes in, probably right there. Yeah, we both want to I'm be right. right. No, I'm right. <laughs> they both, we strive to, we strive for higher and for like improving everything. We want to raise the bar. We want it to be better than it was yesterday. Um, to be consistent with their ideals, to justify themselves Yikes, that one hurts a little bit too. And then to be beyond criticism so as to not be condemned by anyone. Hello, is that even possible? Yeah, it, the really amazing thing is that the gospel helps us to be people who welcome criticism. You know, to be a person who doesn't say, I don't care what you think. Right. I know what I think, and so I'm just going to do what I think. Right. But, and I'm, gosh, I'm learning this, but the gospel frees us up to accept criticism. Yeah. So so we're not fated for this. Well, I feel like there's a ditch on either side of the road. There's the, I don't care what you think. That's one ditch. Then the other side is that, I care so much what you think. How can I yeah. fix it? How can I help? You know, it's like, we just want to be up on the road. We don't want to be in the ditch. The gospel's the third way. Yeah. It's saying, I want to grow. Yeah. So I want to hear from you. My daughter's like that. She wants to hear constructive, mm-hmm. you know, loving criticism. Right. How can I improve? How can I get better? Yeah. 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 And, you know, thanks be to God, we don't have to be perfect because to try to be perfect would be hopeless. It's really actually unsurvivable. Nobody can live under that kind of pressure every single day, but we don't have to. And here's the thing. We actually have a perfect example in Jesus. Now, he wasn't a perfectionist, but he was and still is perfect. Mm. And a part of his perfection is the fact that he's so deeply aware of his identity as the father's beloved son. He has a perfect understanding of how loved he is. Let's flip the switch here a little bit from like having to be perfect to understanding how perfectly loved you are right now anyway. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that just feel like rest for the soul? Yeah. So if you you could, like Jesus, perfectly understand God's love 
then you would probably be living out a perfect life. Yeah. I think that the way out of the, the people pleaser club is exactly that way. You just said, Perry, it's just resting and knowing that you're perfectly loved by the father right now, exactly as you are. So there's this prayer that I found in Lectio 365 yesterday. I've made it my prayer and just invite you with me to make it your prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, you show me what a life in right relationship with the Father looks like. Would you help me by your spirit to recognize any area of life where I'm living for the affirmation of anyone other than my loving Heavenly Father so that my presence in the world will point others to the key to my success, which is your presence in me. In fifth grade, I was 10 years old on the playground of Eastside Elementary School in Sheboygan at the end of recess. I entered into eternal life. Of course, I didn't die and go to heaven, but I took my first step, not just toward heaven, but into heaven. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have present tense, have eternal life. Have you ever noticed that? Scotty Smith, the founding pastor of Christ Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee, says, for John, eternal life is a quality of life before it's a quantity of life. Eternal life, Jesus says, is knowing God and his son. John 17, 3, Jesus says, and this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Eternal life is a right now experience of sharing in the explosive life and intimacy that's been going on between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity. A right now relationship. Someday, when you close your eyes in death, you will wake to see the face of Jesus. And when he returns, you will rise with an indestructible, immortal, dazzlingly bright physical body. That for sure will be eternal life. Mm -hmm. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus or came to realize through a process, I know it's not the same for everybody, but came to realize, I really do trust in Jesus. My life is his. That's when eternal life began for you. Because eternal life is not first living forever, Eternal life is knowing the God who passionately loves you. And the more we know the love of God, the more we experience eternal life. What would we do in this life without the experience of the love of God, which is eternal life? Yeah, we we long for heaven. We long for that, right? When everything is as it should be. And yet heaven is available to us today through the relationship that we have through Jesus with God the Father. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to wait. It's not a it's not a someday hope in its fullness. Yes, it is a someday hope. But but don't wait to be able to experience heaven until then. You know, let's experience him now. Yeah. I have a friend who um runs a ministry. She's a missionary in Africa and she was hosting a, a party for people who support the ministry that she does. She she helps to train um, work with children who have been raised in the slums and have lacked opportunity for regular growth and development that most babies would have and helps to get them caught up. Anyway, she was having this party and she said, the theme of the party is heaven. 
we're celebrating with eternity in mind. And I thought, oh my goodness, like we need to get eternity more in mind mm. because we think so much about the right here, right now, yeah. you know, but we're already living eternal lives. So how do we prepare for our future? How do we live now in the here and now with eternity in mind? Well, Jesus says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, Father, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you have sent to earth. So he's saying the way we get to experience eternal life is, is knowing God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it says in Romans 5 that, that God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. That's not just a one-time thing. That happened for me the first time when I was 10 years old. Literally, God's love came pouring into me and when I was 16. But I need to, to keep experiencing the love of God because when I experience his love, I experience eternal life because that's eternal life is going to be just one endless overflowing intaking of the love of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be more than that, but it's certainly not going to be less than that. Okay. So I'm going to throw this concept at you. When we get to heaven, I just had this thought right now. When we Ouch. get to- <laughs> just threw it at me. Don't throw so hard. I've got hard. a good arm. I played softball my whole life <laughs> yeah. growing up. Yeah. Okay. So when we get to heaven, I think, you know, we, the way we think about it is that at that point in time, we're going to experience things that we have never experienced before as if they're just starting. But eternity is already in existence. And I just wonder if like when we get to heaven, we just get a whole fresh new set of glasses and we just become aware of stuff that was already, Mm -hmm. but we didn't know it. I think so. I think we're going to look back and go, oh, I was actually experiencing some of this. Yeah. That's what you're saying, right? I think that 100%. 100%. Well, I better say 99.9% because I'm not all-knowing. Father, Father in heaven, I ask you to strengthen us by your spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ, the love of God, will live in us. I ask you, Father, that with both feet planted firmly on love, we'll be able to take in the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love, reach out and experience the breadth of it, test the length of it, plumb the depths of it, rise to the heights of it, fill us to overflowing with God himself. So yesterday, this question surfaced in my life through Lectio 365, this devotional that I do of how are you handling your pain or what are you doing with your pain? And you know, the devotions yesterday started with, today I'm reflecting on how God's presence in me helps me to heal from the wounds of living as a flawed human in a broken world. Through the healing of the Holy Spirit, my pain can be transformed into something redemptive and beautiful. And I don't know that I have approached pain that way in my life, you know? I don't know that I've thought, you know, I just know something good is going to come out of this. When you're going through it, when you're in it, and it's just painful, and all you can see is the darkness and the negative and the bad, it's really, really hard to go to the place of thinking at some point in time, there's going to be something redemptive here. Yeah, because those painful emotions want to overwhelm us, and emotions are speaking, you know, speaking messages to us. Yeah. Yeah. And the message is usually, this is bad. This is bad and nothing good can come out of this. And it's it's never going to get better. Right. And then we go to worst case 
scenario thinking. Well, yeah, worst case scenario thinking, which launches us into the future. And then we like create this whole future of all the negative things that are going to happen because of this negative thing. And I go down this path. And then when I get to the worst case, I end up banging into Jesus. And then he sets me straight. You're like, oh, hello. <laughs> right. <laughs> Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Really important to know that David is talking to himself. Mm-hmm. He's speaking to himself. He's preaching to himself. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to himself, and then he's going he's gonna to coach himself up in the truths of God's word. Right. I mean, he's saying, okay, yeah, there's, there's hard things going on, but I'm going to choose in this moment to fix my eyes on who God is. And, you know, who is God? And all the benefits of knowing God and being in love relationship. With, well, he forgives me and he heals me and he redeems me and he crowns me and he satisfies me, you mm-hmm. know, all the things. Yep. So in the devotional back to the Lectio 365 yesterday, I just want to read the snippet of um, part of the devotion. How I deal with my pain may well be the most significant factor in my life and how my life will pan out. So how I deal with my pain might be the most significant factor in how my life will pan out. Mm. The things I go to for comfort in response to the question, what shall I do with my pain, will probably define the person that I become. It'll also define whether my pain is transformed into something useful, beautiful, and neighbor-loving, or whether it's transferred onto others, calcifying into bitterness, sickness, and broken relationships. Yikes! Mm -hmm. Like our pain can be transformed into something beautiful, something useful, or our pain can be transferred. We just place our pain on other people. You know, Ben hurt me, so now I'm going to treat Perry like he's about to. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we, and Perry didn't even do anything wrong. It was Ben's fault. <laughs> Throwing Ben under the bus over here. <laughs> but you know, what I'm saying is we transfer. If we don't let God do the healing in our hearts, like that deep work that needs to happen, then hurt people hurt people. Yeah. We just transfer it to other people. And like with shame, you know, I've experienced, that's the most, that's the worst emotion I've experienced in my life is shame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just working through that and why do I feel that? And there's experiences in my life that have led to that and all that. But coming to the place where you realize, where I realize everything that has happened to me in my life had to have happened to me to make me who I am. That's how shame has become redemptive for me. Yeah. Here's a beautiful example of what I've seen this look like. So we've come to know and come to be friends with this sweet woman of God named Susan Vandepaul. And she has a ministry called Life After Breath. She's written a book about losing her husband to Lou Gehrig's disease. It was a, um, uh, related to his job. He was a fireman and it was a, a job-related illness that he incurred. And then he lost his life because of it. And she's she was a widow with these four four young kids. I mean, I just can't imagine the pain of walking through that. Mm. 
But last weekend, I was at her widow's retreat. I got to just briefly represent Moody there. And it, there is such a sweet atmosphere in the room. It's this, it's a retreat that happens every October. If you are a widow, I just highly recommend it. You'll be so blessed by this time. I think one of the shocking things, the first time I went, one of the shocking things was it wasn't a room full of all older women. They're very, very young women who are walking through this being widows. But anyway, she's taken the pain and and surrendered it to God and invited him to heal her heart and to walk with her through her grief. And what he did, what he brought out of it, shoot, I'm going to get emotional, is this amazing, amazing retreat and this amazing ministry to help other people who are walking through the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with your pain? Are you going to are you going to give it to God? Are you going to ask God to transform it into something beautiful? Are you going to transfer it onto other relationships? Father, help us to recognize where we've ignored your open arms and favor us something counterfeit. We confess where we've looked to other things to satisfy our desires and we repent this morning. And once again, we receive your forgiveness. And we choose this morning, Father, to lean into your unfailing love. I don't know about you, but there are times my emotions overwhelm me like a massive wave threatening to wash me away. I know this is never a thing for you, Shauna, because your emotions are small. (laughs) They just go undetected. I have a loud face. I've been told I have a loud face. Hmm. So like whatever I'm thinking inside, it doesn't stay in there. Even when I'm trying really hard, like my face is expressive. Yeah. I've never thought that once. Really? Loud face. I mean, those terms, loud face. Okay. But I definitely can see the emotions on your face right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, emotions are beautiful. Emotions are excruciatingly painful. Emotions shouldn't be stuffed, especially painful ones. Painful ones can be showing us that something is wrong. There's a lie we're believing or there's a trauma that needs to be healed. I suppose many more things painful emotions can be telling us. Or maybe the painful emotion is grief, Mm. and we just need to lament and pour out our sadness to God. Don't stuff emotions. Don't deny them. All that said, I don't think emotions ever tell us the truth. I can't think of a time when my emotions ever told me the truth, like painful ones. Like even in the case of grief, grief will say, This is never going to end. I'm going to feel this way forever. That's not true. Mm -hmm. But it needs to be lamented. So I try to pay attention to my feelings, and my daughter Kaylee has taught me a lot, a lot, lot, lot about this. I try to pay attention to my feelings. I try to express them, but I don't stand on them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've heard it said that, you know, emotions... We want to pay attention to them because they inform us, but we don't want to give them the keys and let them hop in the driver's seat. Okay. There it is right there. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to say that. You were saying that. You said it well. Okay. Author Sally Lloyd-Jones says, have you noticed that when it's cloudy, you can't see the stars and that sometimes clouds can hide even mountains from you? For a moment, it seems as if there are no stars shining, no mountains standing. Have the mountains moved? Have the stars stopped shining? No. 
The clouds have just hidden them. Feelings can be like clouds. Mm. They blow in and hide things from us. Sometimes they tell us God doesn't care or that God is far away. The writer Amy Carmichael, who went through her share of suffering, she was a, a great missionary, she said, our feelings do not affect God's facts. Mm, that's good right there. Yeah. I mean, you can say that again. Well, Amy Carmichael <laughs> said, our feelings do not affect God's facts. Our feelings come and go, but God stays the same. His promises still are shining. Mm -hmm. And I take so, so much hope in this because I am a very emotional person. And I'll just be real honest right here. I have taken medicine for depression since I was in my 30s. And when I was not taking medicine, I mean, I could, I could dry it cry at the drop of a bucket. Mm, mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that feeling, that deep, deep emotion. It's not that I don't have emotions, but it really does, the medicine really does tamp down the emotions. And so all that to say that my emotions have overwhelmed me at times. I have a good friend who takes medication for depression. And the way that he has explained it to me is that um, he says, you know, you know how you start the day, like we like to wake up in the morning at water level, and it's just the beginning of the day, mm -hmm. you know, things can dip down and things can go up, but you'd like to wake up in the morning and start at water level. He says, I wake up every day underwater, hmm. and the, taking the medication just helps me to be at the water line to get yeah. started. Yeah. Yeah. It's different for everybody, you know, with taking medicine for depression and because also my thyroid. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's medicine time, medical time with Perry and Shauna. But I have a, I have hypothyroidism. And so my depression is really connected to my thyroid as well. Mm. So because of the medicine, the antidepressant and the thyroid meds, I feel good most that's of the awesome. time. Yeah. So that's that's a praise to God, but I know what depression feels like. So I don't know whatever kind of darkness you're going through right now and that darkness, you know, is is emanating in your emotions and your emotions are telling you something and it's probably not telling you the truth. Those emotions aren't telling you the truth. They're probably saying something like this is never going to end and God doesn't love you and God doesn't care and you're not forgiven and whatever, you know, all the, the gamut right. of things, your emotions, painful emotions can tell you. And you might want to, you know, talk with a counselor about that, a therapist about that. But at, at any rate, this is what I found to be so helpful when I was in a deep, dark pit of depression and I couldn't see the hand in front of my face. It's the words of Jesus from well, actually, it's the words of John, John 1, 5. He's talking about Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I actually want to ask you where you go for wisdom. Do you have like your go-to, you know, like do you have people in your life that you're wise, sage, that you always go to for the answers when, you, yeah. when, when you're going through it? Yeah. Yoda. <laughs> I go to the doc, my friend, the doc. I go to my bride, Teresa. I go to my son, Taylor. He's an old soul, wise. Mm -hmm. I go to my daughter, Kaylee. These four are 
in my inner circle. Mm-hmm. I have others, but these are the first that come to mind for me. Yeah. I have a friend, Linda, who we met when my husband and I were dating in Southern California. Linda and her husband, Steve, had kids in the youth group at the church. And my husband was the youth pastor while he was finishing seminary. And we got to be fast friends and still are just super, super tight. So she's definitely a season ahead of me if she's got kids in high school before I was even married. But it's yeah. been such a joy to walk through all of life together and and to share the seasons that, you know, she's already been through. I remember if we're friends, we're friends. And so I remember the age difference can kind of sometimes disappear at times. But I remember one time we lived in Arizona and she called and she goes, I've got huge news. I was like, oh my gosh, so do I. It's like you first. And she's like, Stacy's getting married, her daughter. And it was just, we celebrated. That was so exciting. And then she's like, okay, what is your big news? And I was like, I'm pregnant. (laughs) It's just in moments like that, you go, oh, wow. Yeah, we are on different timelines. You're in very different seasons of life and yet, you know, just besties. So yeah, she's awesome. And she's poured so much wisdom into my life. And then I've got three big sisters that I, that have obviously been through seasons ahead of me and that I can call on. Yeah. Three big sisters who will give you wisdom whether you want it or not. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you, yeah, my sisters are awesome though. Yeah, I get to are. do I get to do a podcast with one of my sisters. It's called Real Sisters Real Talk and we yeah. film every Tuesday. And so one of the joys of that podcast has been the fact that I get to talk to my sister every Tuesday. Yeah. You know, we're just like regularly connected. We'd always reach out to each other, I don't know, maybe once a month or something and have a long conversation, but now we're just in each other's lives and it's been such a joy. That's a gift. It is. It is. But we have our go-tos, right? We have the people that we go to when we need really, really good advice. I'd love to hear who your go-to is. 800-968-8930. At any time, you guys are just welcome to join the conversation. We would love to hear from you. 800-968-8930. But yeah, we've got the people that we go to for advice. And maybe, you know, you had a situation in life and then you turn to that person, you prayed, you're like, God, who do I go to? What do I? And he says, oh, talk with Talk with the doc, you know, talk with so-and-so. And And so you do, and then a situation comes up and you're like, Lord, who should I, you know, what do I do about this? And and he brings up, hey, talk to the doc. And so you go to the doc, you know, and then a situation comes up and you're like, oh, I'm gonna go to the doc. And we can, we can get to the point where we actually bypass the prayer part and we Mm. skip out on the wisdom of God because we've got these go-tos and praise God for them, right? The people in our life who speak wisdom in our life and and point us back to God, hopefully all the time. But it is kind of tempting sometimes to, to forget starting with the Lord. Or sometimes maybe when you pray, it's just so rhetorical. You've got something on your mind, you need wisdom from God, and you'll actually even say the question in your prayer, but then you just keep going. We just keep going and we don't wait and allow God to speak into our life and to actually answer. I mean, do you know how much wisdom God has to offer you and me? Infinite. Infinite wisdom. I mean, he created life. He knows how life works. He knows what will lead to abundant life. He knows what will lead to death. He knows what will make you flourish in life. He knows what will make your relationships come alive, how to step you into forgiveness. You know, I mean, just everything that you need, wisdom with your finances, like God knows. He knows all the things. So let's not, let's not miss going to the one who has all wisdom. Thank him for the people he's put in your life who bring great wisdom into your life. But man, let's not miss out on him. James 1 reminds us 
that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love how when the Lord speaks to us, how he doesn't mind repeating himself. He'll say He'll say things to us, you know, again and again until we get it. And man, I can't remember if this was just last week. Time is, I think it was just last week. I was in Chicago (laughs) down at Judson because my daughter, my youngest daughter leads worship there um, in several different ways. But we went to this evening event. It's a student-led worship event. And in the room while we were worshiping and she's leading worship and the theme is on heaven, there's probably about 50 college students in the room, and they're worshiping with everything in them. They're singing at the top of their lungs. We stood for well over a full hour. I was ready to sit down by the the hour was over, but not those college kids, man. They were all up on their feet, you know, just worshiping with everything in them. And I just felt, I felt like God gave me a direction on how to pray for those people. And he said, pray that they are hungry for me, that they want me you know, pray for hunger and thirst. And so I started praying that over them and it just felt like not an idea that I had, but like God wants this for these young people. And then, you know, I was in another context where it just rose up again. I was like, we need to pray for hunger. We need to pray for spiritual hunger. And I just feel like it's one of those themes that God just keeps repeating to me again and again. Pray for spiritual hunger. Pray for your family, your children, your husband, your your wife, your whatever, your brothers, your sisters. Pray for them to want God, to have a spiritual hunger for him mm-hmm. that he can only satisfy. And then this morning, we have a whole texting community. If you've never texted us, man, you got to jump on board and you can text us anytime. And we just, the conversations that we're having on air continue with individuals who are texting in throughout the show. Yeah, it's the, it's the show within the show. Yeah, yeah. So, So we had, in the wings, if you will, yeah, but we had um, somebody text this morning, Tommy texted in, and he was sharing with me that he's reading from Psalm 63, and he shared this with me, verse 1 of Psalm 63, you, God, are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water, and I just, I read those words, and I was like, oh my goodness, there it is again, right? Hunger and thirst for God. I mean, I think we know we're hungry. We know we're thirsty. We're just not eating and drinking of what is going to deeply satisfy our souls. Yeah. And you know what? As as a follower of Jesus, it's good to say, Lord, I just don't have a, a passion for you. Mm-hmm. I've lost my first love. I don't have the passion for people that, you know, that you have. I don't have that compassion. And to be able to just freely admit that to God, I think, is a way to jumpstart yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, if you if you if you're resonating with what Perry just said and you just you want that, you want spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst, just text us your name. So I'm we resonating can pray for with you. Perry with what Perry just yeah. said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just text us your name and we can we will pray for you. Or maybe it's somebody that you love, somebody that you know that you're like, they're just not even aware of their need for the Lord and just text us their name and we will pray that that God would ignite a spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst for them. I'm really praying that for one of my brother's uh, two kids. That one is a junior in high school, another is a senior 
in college mm. that, you know, they, they have not yet had this crash into grace mm-hmm. and, you know, their parents are pursuing Jesus and I know it's, it's hard and it's, it's hurtful for them. And, but I'm, I'm just praying that for them. I've been praying that for them for a long time. Yeah. I'm going to throw out two names, Chris and Patty. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to know how good he is and how much he loves them. I want them to raise their baby girl knowing how much she's loved. Yep. So yeah, Texas joined the conversation. In fact, I'm going to just pray right now. Lord, I just thank you so much for the goodness of who you are and that you offer yourself so openly and so freely to us. Jesus, you gave your entire life that we would be able to be reconciled in right relationship with God once again. And we want that too. For the people in our life who who do not have a spiritual hunger right now, the people that we love, that we long to see come into a vital relationship with you, God, would you awaken their hearts? Would you soften their hearts to the message of the gospel this morning? And for those of us who ourselves are just saying, I feel dry, breathe your life, Holy Spirit, into these dry bones that we might live again. God, we ask that you would do that this morning for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.